0: Today's episode, we talk about how to prep first time home buyers in this super crazy market. Stay tuned. This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? And now onto our show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I'm your guide and host through the show. In just a moment, we're going to be speaking with top producer, Brittany Cummings. But before we get to Brittany, just a couple quick reminders. Please, as always, The best way you can help us is by telling a friend about our show. Think of one other agent that could benefit from hearing from top producers like Brittany and send them a link either to our website, which is keepingitrealpod.com, or just have them pull up a podcast app, search for Keeping It Real, hit that subscribe button. And second, We would love it if you would take just a few seconds either while you're listening or after to leave us a review and you can do that through whatever podcast app you might be listening. Let us know what you think of the show really helps us continue to get better and better to better meet your needs. So that's all I have. But now on to the main event, our interview with Brittany Cummings. Okay. On the show, we have Brittany Simon from the Brittany Simon Group with Compass here in Chicago. Let me tell you about Brittany. Now, Brittany Simon is a full-service real estate group servicing buyers, sellers, renters, investors, and commercial clients in the city of Chicago, as well as the Western suburbs. She's a third-generation real estate broker, following in the footsteps of mom, grandma, and her stepfather. Now, uh, Brittany basically grew up in the real estate industry, seeing all the ins and outs of the business from her family. Now, she's been licensed for almost 12 years and cannot imagine doing anything else. Having lived all over the city and the suburbs, one of Brittany's specialties is that she has extensive knowledge of what makes each neighborhood special and can truly guide clients on what area may meet their needs best. Now, Brittany maintains the highest quality service, so her clients always feel well cared for and know that she has their best interests at heart. Uh, I'd like everyone to visit Brittany at her website, which is BrittanySimongroup.com. And Brittany is spelled B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y, Simongroup.com. And also please follow her on Instagram, which is at Realtor.Brittany. Brittany, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. And thanks for also clarifying the spelling of my name. That's always been a tricky one. (laughs) So I appreciate it.
0: Brittany's one of those. Excuse me, one of those names that has a lot of different possibilities for how it it's, does. Uh, it
1: absolutely yeah. does. <laughs> my,
0: my first see, I go by DJ, but my first name is Delphin. And that's a name that like nobody ever guesses the spelling of it right. Oh, uh well, oh, no one's ever heard it really before. <laughs> and then when they try to spell it, they always put a pH in there instead of an wow. F. So um so I growing would have up DJ.
1: That myself. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. So and and I, I sort of not, it's not irony, it's just coincidentally. I always forget what coincidence and irony is, but (laughs) uh, coincidentally, Delphin, uh with a PH is actually the Spanish word for dolphin. Um, oh. So uh, it, it even makes more sense why people always put that in there, but we're not, we're not right. here to talk about my <laughs> weird name. Um, we'll talk about your, well, your name isn't weird. Your name is, your <laughs> name is very normal and cool, but let's, um, let's talk, by the way, Brittany and I went to college, not together, um, <laughs> but we went to the same college. So we have a little bit of, we, we were uh, a little late to jump on the podcast because we were talking about um, Miami university where we both attended uh, a, a, some time ago. Uh, but um, Brittany, let's let's start all the way at the beginning um, of okay. your real estate career, which I know has spanned twelve years now. Uh, yep. How did you get into real estate, and, and why? And, and I understand that, of course, it's part of your family. Sure. Uh, but yeah. Let's let's hear about you know three generations and, and all of that.
1: Yeah. So I mean, uh, having my mom and my stepfather being in the real estate industry. So when I was even in high school, my, my stepfather is also a builder. So he had at one point built um, a few homes on the block we were living on. So before you had to be licensed to basically do anything, I would be sometimes sitting in an open house straight down the street because sure. they needed extra hands on deck. So I was kind of just, you know, going into these new builds. And, you know, when I was even younger, sometimes my mom would bring me with to showings or open houses or what have you. So kind of always seen it uh, those behind the scenes. And then um, when I graduated college, actually, or kind of unfortunately, we were going through, you know, a recession. So that made things a little tricky and coincidentally at the same time they were I believe changing some of the rules to become licensed. So before things I think it was going to become harder, something along those lines. So I just went ahead and got my license right out of the gate. But I was not necessarily sure that's the path I wanted to go down on uh, or in, um, especially just having family members in it and, you know, kind of wanting to forge my own path. So
0: what did you study in college? If you don't mind me asking.
1: Yeah, I studied actually broadcast journalism Ah. ironically, (laughs) and I was an English lit minor. So I really thought, you know, I really wanted to dive deeper into that. Um, Moving back home to Chicago, it's obviously not a huge market and, you know, kind of, California is where a lot more things happen. So I actually did get a couple job offers in California, but at the time um, I wasn't sure that's really where I wanted to go. That was kind of big leap and not to mention um, the salary I was being offered was not really, you know, I think uh, commensurate with uh, housing costs in California. Right. So um, I tried a little bit harder um, in Chicago. So I was kind of doing some other things um, independently and kind of um, with some other, I guess, techie t- start, start things, startup, sure, whatnot. And then um, I just really started needing to make money. So um, I got into ad sales. And, um, and from ad sales, I also kind of got into some startups and then kind of just fell into sales. And through that, that led me to um, event planning, um, kind of on a higher level in the ad sales community or in that job role which was interesting and i really did like it but i felt that you know corporate structure was still just kind of feeling like it wasn't for me so then um i was kind of thought i'd be at this other job for a lot longer which is going to be delving um, a lot more deep into the event planning arena and it was just kind of all over the place and i kind of thought I wasn't still being able to be creative, which I felt like was something that I really had a calling to do. And so, um, I finally decided, you know, if not now, when let's make the leap. So I finally made the leap into just full-time real estate sales. Although, um, I also did some, uh, I worked at a bar actually while I kind of start um, got up and running because I did have a mortgage. (laughs) So, I needed to be sure I can pay my mortgage. Um, And then, you know, I really just hit the ground running. I started just, you know, in my mind, you know, um, I never even having family in the business, never realized how hard it actually is to build a business from the ground up. There's no one who could really, I guess, help you do that. Um, And it takes time. So I just, Took every lead I got. I <laughs> was um prospecting like crazy, um, telling everybody I knew actually at my bar job. Really I was, I was gonna
0: ask <laughs> about that. Um, did did any of the patrons, the bar patrons, whether they were regulars or people just passing through, uh, did they were you ever some somebody who was I don't again, I, I guess it depends on where you work and what what's allowed, but were you ever like, hey, by the way. Um, you know, here's your, uh, here's your kamikaze or whatever drink. Yep. Um, I'm just trying to, I was trying to think of like, the most ridiculous drink <laughs> yeah. I can think of, but, but whatever, here's your beer, here's your whatever. Um, hey, by the way, you know, this is, you know, I do this as well, but I'm also a realtor. Did that ever come up and, and did that ever turn into leads for you?
1: Absolutely, actually all the time. And um I worked at this bar in Lincoln Park, um actually called Prost. Um it was, Oh,
0: sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> it was so a, so
0: j- just just pull back the curtain a little. I'm yeah. actually in Lincoln Park right now. <laughs> so I uh, that's where our office is. So yes, I am familiar with Prost. Oh, Prost. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so it, it, it was great and actually at the time which was kind of ironic there was um actually like a handful of us who were actually transitioning into different careers in life and trying to find like our path. So it was actually really enjoyable to go into work and um actually really quickly um there's kind of some turnaround so i came into like kind of one of the lead like servers and so i was on all the time so i was like you know if i have to be here a lot of time i am going to try to make the most of it so i actually would have a lot of people um i had in my little, I guess, I don't know, my little server apron, um, stack cards, I was handing them out like crazy. But also the other people that I was uh, working with, I actually, you know, did some things with them. And um, some other people that came in said, hey, you know, do you want to work on my team? It wasn't really what I wanted at the time, but I felt like I had options. So it was really nice. And I will say, I probably only worked there for, I want to say, maybe five months until I felt like, okay, I I really just need the time to dedicate to this. And I felt from a a financial standpoint that I I was ready. So it was really interesting, but I had worked in the um, service industry a little bit during college. So I also felt like stepping back into it Really was probably one of the best roles to kind of really prepare me for going into real estate full time because it is so you know customer service forward. You really have to deal with, you know, so many different personalities and so many different types of situations. The emotional uhity of it all is high all the time. So I feel like that, especially at you know, maybe two AM on a Saturday night when you have, you know, your section full and people are getting a little rowdy. It was uh, you know, really good to help me hone those skill set. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it makes uh so much sense. I mean, I, I was just thinking about these skills that that you sort of either developed or or had in your in your history, which is hey, I have a family who who's into this, and I was I was sitting at showings when I was you know younger and, and I've been around realtors and it's certainly you know three generations, and then I studied broadcast journalism in college, and which of course I think teaches a lot of skill sets, um, but most importantly. Be able to present and be able to talk uh, and interpersonal communication, or even just you know monologue like presentation style one way communication sometimes is 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 great. And then also uh, the ability to then do customer service when working at at and food service uh, and and and, you know bar stuff. It's like that's a that's a true customer service position. So all of those skills together, to me, um, you know, and we haven't talked anything about. Well, of course, growing up with with family that was in real estate, you probably had, you know, some knowledge of, of real estate in general, but you know, that all can be learned, you know, over time. So I think, you know, those skills make perfect sense why you would go into real estate.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I always, always kind of, I guess, against it in a way, just because it was like, my family was in it. That was their thing. I wanted to find my thing. And I feel like almost what I wanted to do, like, broadcast journalism, this event planning that I really fell into that I loved, it was all really creative and allowed me to kind of just come up with things be myself, not necessarily fit into like this little corporate box, I guess. And real estate really allows me to do that, you know, Talking here with you today. <laughs> um, marketing listings, trying to get new buyers, you know, social media, everything you really need to do to kind of brand yourself even um, has allowed me to pull in all from all these areas that I feel like I do have expertise in um, and kind of group it all together. So actually, you know, I fit better than I thought. <laughs> Which is ironic because, yeah, having not ever wanted to do what everybody else did and falling into it and really feeling like it it is my passion because I do, you know, love real estate itself. I love design. I love architecture. I love um, just neighborhoods and knowing the ins and outs of them and, you know, just being able to go into some of these awesome places, um, it's awesome. It really is. And it's, no day is the same. Whereas sometimes with that corporate structure too, I was finding myself pulling away and just felt like, you know, okay, from 8.30 to 5.30, this is what I do. And then you can turn it off. Whereas real estate's on all the time, but I don't feel like I'm, you know, my personality is being sucked out of me in a way.
0: Right. Yeah. I used to, I used to work in in corporate, uh, the corporate world. And um, I used to, I was a, I consider myself a creative person as well. And so I I was uh, a a bit frustrated um, with the inability, unless you specifically, once I got into, marketing specifically then i was able to express myself but i was in non-creative roles for for some time and and so i used to have to do things outside of work to fulfill that creative yeah. sort of itch and um and now i i you know and I, again i'm not i'm not a practicing realtor but i get to work with my creativity inside of real estate and um i think uh i think what what you're you're talking about is just taking all of these skills that you enjoy and that you're passionate about and and putting them together, and yeah, maybe you're working later hours than the person that clocks out um, from their, you know, from from their corporate job at, at five or six. But it's probably more fulfilling and enjoyable. And you're helping people buy and sell yeah. homes. I, I know it's not always easy. In fact, it's never easy. But um, especially right now, and I I know that's going to be a focus of our our talk today. But but back to just being fulfilled and, and having. Yeah sort of the yeah maybe i'm replying to a text at at 9 p.m at night but i'm choosing to do that and i want to do it and it's still fun and you know and and all of that and um it seems like most of the people i've not most i I would say everyone i've interviewed on this show over the years um kind of has like they really like it and and i i i always just take it for granted that we all like our jobs and i (laughs) always forget that many don't yeah it's it's very sad and and i don't have i i, I have empathy for people who who because i've had jobs that i didn't like as well and i don't think it's like well you just quit and find something you love and it's like yeah. well, maybe um but not everyone can do that but i think if you can find a place where you you're happy at work boy that makes life a lot better um and so let, let's talk about something that's that that is very difficult right now uh which is of course working with buyers <laughs> and the we're still in a you know, despite what what the uh, what what the news headlines are saying, we're still in a pretty low interest rate environment. Yeah, um, lots of people with a lot of uh, spending power yeah. are in competition to, uh, to to try to buy properties that are at exceedingly high values. Um, and just um, you know, uh, people making decisions sight unseen. Yeah, and 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 so I I, I we have almost 800 realtors at our company here, and that's our most common question is, what do I do to get my offers noticed? So um, just perfect timing yeah. because I really wanted to, to talk about that anyway. Um, but I'm not out there in the field doing it, and you are. So I'd love to hear your advice about what's been working for you, maybe also what doesn't work or sure. what you see not working. Yeah. Um, and any advice that you have for our listeners?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it also comes down to, and I always, you know, check in with my buyers first, you know, Hey, when there's a will, there's a way. And I know the strategies that we can win, but it also has to depend on, are they willing to go there? Cause not everybody is. So I think it's also important to understand, you know, really the goals of your clients and let them, let them choose. Because sometimes maybe, you know, after the analysis, the numbers don't really make sense, but if this is every single thing they want and there's nothing else out there and they're going to be in this home for the next, you know, 10 plus years, I mean, then maybe it's really time to go for it. Um, so I would say one of the things that I see working out there, I think most people are using escalation clauses. And if you're not, you definitely should. Um, or also called an escalation writer. And what can, that
0: can we can we define what that is just yeah. in case anyone listening isn't familiar.
1: Exactly. What an escalation writer or clause is, is it really allows a client, and I almost say to kind of go to their max without initially going to your max unless you have to so you still i still always recommend going strong on that number on the contract itself but an escalation writer can then say hey um let's say just make the numbers easy you know house is listed at 475 but they'll go to 500 because it's worth it and they want it. And this they already have multiple offers. So, uh, but they're really, they'll go to 525. So on the escalation rider, we have a max price of 525. And we also have an ability to say, they will go X amount over the highest competing offer. So let's say a thousand dollars. So if uh, a highest competing offer then comes in at let's say 510, well, then the person who used the escalation rider for 525, it would be 511, and they wouldn't even go to their max. So it allows them to almost not bid over yourself. Um, I will say sometimes that's making it tricky in today's market is if a house has, let's say, 30 offers and uh, 25 of those offers are including escalation riders, sometimes listing agents are asking for um, them to be with help because it gets too crazy and I can understand that where the numbers are just really nuts but I will say I have talked to some listing agents too and sometimes if you don't ask and they're not telling you not to use it you can use it (laughs) some people are asking and they're saying you know I would rather you not No, but you know if you have a good number on there that's going to kick it in there's a good chance you're going to win so I try not to ask unless it's clearly noted that they're not accepting them because I wouldn't want the offer to not be considered. But I don't know why they wouldn't consider a great offer, you know, if it's right there in front of them.
0: <laughs> do, do you do you worry that the listing agent might miss the fact that there is an escalation clause in your offer? In other words, how do you make that really evident so that? again, in the case of getting 30 offers where, again, I know escalation costs are are quite common, but let's just say they weren't common or or you would just be worried, gosh, I'm only still going up to 490, where really we could go all the way to 525. I just want to make sure that, that the agent, are you calling the listing agent and going, Hey, I know you're getting a lot of offers, just FYI, this has got an escalation, or are you just assuming that they'll, they'll review that in the, in the document? So
1: unless they don't say that they're not accepting them and there is an understanding that they are accepted. Yeah. I usually always do call the listing agent just to find out, Hey, you know, also what about, what are they looking for in terms of a closed date? Do they need a lease back or, um, a post-closed possession? What, is, you know, and I also do ask too, you know, you, you never know if you ask what they will say. So I also say, Hey, what, what are you seeing things coming in? I just did this for a multiple offer situation. I said, um, anything you could give me to help. And he said, you know i'm not going to tell you numbers, but what I will say one they're strong Two, a lot of people are waving um, inspections or going as is. And a lot of people who are going above list price or including escalations are including um, appraisal waivers or appraisal gap guarantees and my client at that point, we did not have an appraisal gap guarantee so we did include that. Um, so. And with that escalation to to prove to go back to your point of how to make sure it's being included, I always send everything, um, all the documents over in one PDF. So I include that right before the offer themselves. They can't miss it. And then in my email summary over to the list agent, I always um, write that out as well. So hopefully they're reading it, but um, you know, it would be hard to miss. And I will say also with the escalation writers and clauses, sometimes clients worry, well, how do we know they're telling the truth? Well, there is in, at least in the one I use, there is a section that says, they have to show us the highest competing offer at contract acceptance that made that clause kick in.
0: Ah, So we know that they're telling the truth.
1: And it has to be an offer that's kind of you know it can't be another offer that has a home to close or a home to sell. Sure, it's got to be
0: apples to apples. Yeah, yeah.
1: exactly, exactly.
0: Um, so that's I, that's, re- that's really smart. So if anyone just missed that, um, what what Brittany does is at closing, if she's if the escalation clause is being utilized, her concern as a fiduciary for her client is. I just want to make sure that the offer that we just beat is a real offer. So once it, (laughs) once, once we, we go to closing, I need to see that you have a, you had a legit offer here. Otherwise, you know, you, who knows, maybe somebody might take advantage of, of the fact.
1: Yeah. And you'd hope not because of ethics and everything, but I mean, also for your, you know, the buyers are usually nervous too. So that also helps them like, okay, you know, trust this process and, I would always expect, you know, the best from other agents. So, and I I do have some clients too that say, well, um, let's use one right off the bat. And that doesn't, that's not really a good strategy to use unless you know there are multiple offers and they're calling for highest and best. Because if not, if you're just submitting it, they don't have other offers yet, they're probably going to wait until they get other offers. So that will go into effect. So at that point, rather, you should just probably offer stronger initially and wait to see if they then do call for highest and best.
0: I wonder if any MLS in the country, and maybe I'm just not understanding why this doesn't exist, but... Uh, just to get off topic for a quick yeah. sec because i think it's an opportunity for i mean unless there's some compliance reason why this shouldn't happen um why mlss don't have their own um system for receiving um uh, you know offers and and being able to categorize them um and and that the list agent would say you know, bark, I showed this to the to the seller, and that way the agent would get maybe notified. You it has been presented to the seller. Yeah. You know, like you would think that, the, and, and maybe again, maybe smarter people than me have said there's a good reason why we don't have that. Yeah. But it, it just seems like in this environment, I imagine things have just gotta fall through the cracks sometimes too, and 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 I'm sure you know, when 30 offers come in, the list agent is, you know, overwhelmed and and phone calls and texts and emails from, oh, from sure. buyer's agent. And so I, I just, um, the fact that you call the list agent and just make sure that they, you know, received it and that they understand.
1: Yes. And I is, always, always include either on my email or on my, uh, a text, message, you know, whatever it is, like, please confirm receipt. And if I do not have a confirmation, I follow up because, it, that's you know at least you know okay they got it because sometimes yeah you know an email could be missed so i definitely want to make sure they are can or you know can they not open the pdf what is it i want to make sure that they got it and especially they got it by before the deadline but i will say some people you know in this market are throwing out crazy numbers and for like a finance deal i've actually talked to some list agents who said you know for numbers that are kind of way crazy they sometimes throw those those ones out because it won't appraise out yeah exactly so it it, you know you kind of have to also be realistic here and i also think if you had a conversation with a list agent prior they might say hey you know what if you are going to do that it'd be a really good idea to include an appraisal guarantee or gap of some sort a writer
0: yeah i think that's really really smart and i know that that's it's funny it's like the concern of the of the seller is Hey, it's great that we got 100,000 over asking, yeah. but you yeah. know, is the buyer going to come to the table with $30,000 cash because that's what they're going to need uh to you know because and so if you if you have that that gap, you know, um sort of, you know, honor or that 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 gap sort of promise, yeah. then then it it so that's really smart. So escalation clause, uh gap coverage, um and 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 then how I'm curious on and and the, and the answer really should be, it doesn't matter, but, but yeah. we all are, we're interpersonal uh, humans with connections important to us. We like people that we like, and we tend to treat people better that we like. Yes. I'm curious how important relationships are with the, with, and of course you can't be friends with everyone. We yeah. have 46,000 realtors <laughs> in the Chicagoland area, but I bet you run into a lot of the same people over yeah. and over again. And how important is it to, to, you know, be. And again, the easy answer is, well, yeah, you should be friends with everyone, but does it ever move the needle for you? Do you ever feel that like, it probably helps me, you know, if I have a good relationship with, you know, the listing agent, maybe it helps, you know, if two offers come in that are similar, maybe they're going to choose mine because they know me and they know that I would only bring a legitimate offer to the table. Like how important are those relationships?
1: Extremely. And I think not only for the fact is that the person that even the agent on the other side, you know, that's okay. i worked with them before or I like them. Or at the same time, if maybe there's a hiccup within the transaction itself, I have confidence in them that they will help move the needle along. So we can, you know, work to a completed transaction. Whereas, you know, they're not going to get caught up in the emotionality of it as well and take it personal because too often I think clients take their, or I mean, I'm sorry, agents take their clients, uh, you know, stress on and make it personal with the other agents. And I always try to focus on, you know, we all want the same thing here. We all want it to close. Nobody wants to work for free. Uh, your clients want to sell a house or my clients want to buy a house or vice versa. And we all want the same goal. So, you know, I've actually been in some pretty intense and <laughs> crazy situations. And I always try to keep my cool, even when maybe I'm not receiving it on this other end from the agent. But I think, you know, this is not going to help. And especially before you have an offer accepted, I think it is so critical because I think, you know, I, I'm on both sides as a listing agent and as a buyer's agent. And on the listing agent, you know, they're you're getting inundated with, you know, calls and questions. Did you get this? What, you know, showing requests, your phone's blowing up. So sometimes, you know, you have to have a little patience on the buyers uh, as a buyer's agent to realize, you know, they are, you know. Getting feeling so many calls and text messages, trying to answer everybody's questions. So if it takes a little bit longer, just try to give them a little bit of grace. And on the list agent's perspective, you know, as a buyer's agent, I'm trying to get my client to win. You know, we, we're probably you know they've maybe lost a few times. We're trying to get them in. I want to try to know, you know, what should we have in the offer that might make us win? What are you the sellers looking for? So it kind of goes both ways here, but I think too if you could kind of just remember that everybody is working overtime right now and is trying their best. I think it, it goes a, a long way. Yeah, because I've actually been hearing of some agents doing some crazy things, and I I think to them like you're not starting on a good foot. <laughs> and you know I, I I would be nervous to ex- have my clients accept an offer where the agent the their buyer's agent is already kind of acting a little nutty and, you know, taking things up a notch. And I actually, um, my clients actually lost a deal over the weekend to multiple offers, but things went crazy, but, it was okay because my clients actually, given the numbers, this was going to be the most expensive sale in this particular town. Um, thus far,
0: <laughs> and you don't want to be the most expensive sale in a and, town. <laughs> you no,
1: know, they this this was not their number one town, so closer to the list price or over, they were willing, but much further over, and with that appraisal gap, you know, they're just like, you know it comes to a certain point where that amount of money we could wait and maybe be in the town we want to be in, which I think, so again, it's always important to know, you know, your client's true goals because you never want them to end up winning a situation. And they actually kind of feel disappointed that they won. (laughs) You want them to be happy. Sure.
0: Yeah. That's a really good point. I have a question. So when you first are working with a buyer before you've taken them out, um, how do you prep them, assuming that they are not familiar with the craziness of today's market? Um, what are you saying to them to let them know about the urgency, about the creativity that might be involved? You know, what's the education process look like? Because I imagine that's got to be a huge component for you yes. just to keep your clients from freaking out because uh, yes. they're going to freak out anyway. Yeah. But I'm curious on on what you say to them to sort of prep them for the environment that we're in.
1: Definitely. Well, the good part is, in a sense, that most people right now are aware that it's a little bit challenging right now for buyers. So I think one of the most important things that we talk about is their timeline. Because having flexibility is pretty much essential right now in terms for sellers, because a lot of sellers um, need time themselves either to find something or a lot of sellers are relocating um, or some are building or some are relocating and building in that new state. And they need a little bit of time. So I think knowing that also, you know, you might close. And it's still gonna be a little bit of time. So having flexibility is really key. And if you don't have flexibility, maybe let's try to find some options where we can try to work that in somehow. Um, And the next thing really, you know, going over what it takes and what it takes is, you know, Having strong financials and, you know, not everybody has that. And if you don't, there still is a way, but, you know, we probably want to be looking a little under than what you're actually qualified for. Because if we're looking around your max and that's really the type of home you want to be in and you don't have extra padding outside of that, then, you know, we're probably going to be in more situations that we lose than we win. But sometimes, you know, I will say there are certain areas that still are not always getting everything over ask and some pricing that started too high that now there's some wiggle room or, you know, sometimes when properties have a little bit more time on market, there is the, you know, hopefully the ability to negotiate a little bit or, So, you know, sometimes those are the things that I'm telling clients that we need to look at, you know, not the ones that are just coming on the market, because they're probably hoping to get multiple offers, or they're probably more hoping to get the price that they listed at. They're hoping not to negotiate. So the properties now that have been on the market for maybe 30 days plus, the market has kind of spoken that I don't think that that is the price they're probably ultimately going to get. So those are the properties we should probably be looking at. So it really kind of depends on the buyer and one, what their financing is. You know, do you have conventional, are you cash or are you FHA uh, or VA? And, you know, unfortunately in our, you know, people who are not putting as much down are looked at as not as strong as buyers, even though that's not always the case. And there's many reasons you're not putting as much down. Um, And also given that rates are so great right now. Sometimes your money is doing better in other places. You don't want to pull it out, but there is something that a lot of people feel that there's strength in the amount you're putting down. And sometimes that's true. So it's, it's a lot of things that <laughs> you want yeah,
0: to- it, it, it is really interesting the site I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you no, I just no. just as you said that it really did occur to me like um I I have a very uh I, I kind of just got lucky accidentally with timing when I when I bought a place um about a year ago and I just kind of got lucky with with rates and um you know it is funny like I I had to put a, a significant amount down but I was I mean all, you know if if I could take that cash and just beat under three percent return, yeah. which is pretty not that difficult to do um with with a not as much risk. Um yeah. I, I do understand people wanting to put as little down as possible at the same time. Um it's nice that that you um you can lock in or you know these rates which are probably now hovering around the four percent range. Yeah. Um but, um, but you're right. I, I think so you're doing a lot of education. I imagine you're are, are you having the conversation with your buyers about speed? In other words, we're going to go see properties. There's going to be some that you immediately know that you're interested in maybe you're not sure if you want to put an offer in do you do you give them sort of any guidance around timeline in other words hey you know in the past you could maybe sit and think about it for some time um it's a different environment today or you know how are you educating them around the speed to decision
1: absolutely so speed is incredibly important and especially if something just hit the market and i say it's great you love it it seems priced well other people are probably going to think so too. So I always suggest not waiting. Let's go in immediately. Or if there's offer deadlines, so now sometimes homes are hitting the market and right off the bat, they're saying uh, if multiple offers, they will be due at Sunday at 5 PM. So <laughs> there's that expectation that they have a pretty good idea. They are going to get uh, multiple offers. So I try to, t- you know, absolutely if you're interested and it checks a lot of your boxes the price is right there is really no room to wait
0: i was just um with a bunch of my friends at the chicago association of realtors Um, we serve on a committee there and we were out doing a thing last weekend or two weekends ago and we were we were laughing and again i'm not a practicing agent so i'm always like the last to hear about this but (laughs) we were talking about this idea of uh in in the MLS putting, and I imagine this happens all over the country, and I'm not exactly sure why we've all decided that uh, highest and best offers need to be in by Sunday at five o'clock yeah. <laughs> when nothing happens between then and Monday morning. Why not Monday morning at 11 a.m.? Totally. Um, w- like, can we all agree as realtors, like, let's, it, the right thing to do for our clients. I mean, five o'clock on a Sunday is a bad deadline. <laughs> like, I agree. That is, as far as like, that's like a day where people are, are, are well, realtors are working, everyone else is relaxing. Um, it's not a great day in my opinion. Oh, too. I agree. And again, as a marketing guy, I'm always thinking like, give your clients the best opportunity. Um, and I'm not saying for anyone who does highest and best at mm-hmm. five, o- do five o'clock on Sunday and it works for you. Great. But I have heard so many realtors pull me aside and go, can you believe realtor? Like, why are we doing this to ourselves? And I'm just, uh, you know, but, but it, but it, it is, it is funny. That's the environment we're in now. So yeah. so this education of, of your buyers, it's like, hey, we got to make a decision quick. Yeah. Um, we have to have all of these sort of creative um, ancillary or, or, or uh, sort of conditions yeah. um, set up. And then we're just going to kind of see what works and what doesn't.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I also talk about obviously escalation clauses or writers um, and the ability to prep them also that there's a lot of sellers who need time either, you know, as a lease back or post-closed possession or just are extending because the expectation of when you do that as a post-closed possession or a lease back is that the seller is now going to pay you rent. But now some sellers are even trying to push that as, po- as much as possible, so they pay as little as possible. So having longer close dates, I think, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I think 90 days is about as long as a lender will lock without having to extend that rate lock position. So then it's kind of a detriment to buyers because now you might have to pay more to keep that same rate you initially locked at. So... Just kind of prepping them that sometimes, though, that is what a seller is looking for and or these um, reverse uh, home to buy contingencies where, you know, it's just crazy time. So, again, having that flexibility, but knowing that there's different things going on. So the month the. as much as we can try to make things easy for the sellers and kind of give them what they're looking for, that just really makes you uh, come to the top of their list because not everybody can. People are under deadlines; other people need to be in by certain times. So hopefully that kind of weeds out some of the competition too. But I will find, um, you know, um, more than likely right now most buyers understand that and are knowing they ha- that's part of basically playing ball you got to give the sellers what they're looking for or else that you don't have stand a chance, even despite what the number is because they have to find something else.
0: <laughs> it's, it's so funny that, that you funny, only because it makes perfect sense to me as a non-practicing agent that you contact the listing agent and say, Hey, what are you looking for? Or tell me what you're seeing because we want to be competitive and we want to get yeah. your, your seller, the, the exactly what they want. I I would imagine most buyers agents don't do that. And it's the same thing with like, I recruit realtors, that's my job. So often I, I talk to realtors all day who work at most, most of the time they work at other firms. And I say, yeah. oh, well, if you're thinking of maybe switching um, the first question, and it took me a few, I've been doing this for 12 years. This is kind of embarrassing because I knew <laughs> better, but I didn't put it into effect until uh, several years in. And I really encourage everyone listening to, to, to do this. Um, but I, again, you're not recruiting realtors, but what I what I do is is I say, hey, before we get started um, and I start telling you about why our firm's the greatest firm on the planet, which of course nobody really wants to hear anyway, <laughs> I, but I, I'll say, hey, what are you looking for? You know, if you're going to switch from XYZ yeah. firm to another firm, like why? Like what are you looking for? What's important to you? This is just sales 101. And it's the same thing that Brittany is doing with her, with, with these listing agents is calling them and saying, Hey, I can put an, I can throw an offer at you, but I want to know what the, what your sellers really want, because then I can maybe give you a better offer as a result of that. Um, and, and also it's, you have a fiduciary responsibility to your buyer. And so and so it, it, all of this is, but it can be tricky, right? Because yeah. getting the listing agent on the phone is not easy. Yeah. Um, it's true. So how do you, do you have to be very persistent, um, uh, with that or, or how is is it, is that, can that be challenging to even get in touch with the listing agent?
1: I will say it, it sometimes, sometimes it is, sometimes it is, but I will find, you know, um, the great agents know they have to answer the phone and that you know to get the best price for their sellers and for them to choose help them choose the right buyer that it would most likely make sense to have that conversation if they're getting that call, because it also will help, in my opinion, for the transaction to stay together. Because if the buyer didn't realize that the seller needed this much time, that could be a deal breaker. And then you pick that offer and it falls apart only to go back to market. And now what if 10 of those offers you first had, now you only have maybe two and they're not as good as the ones you originally had. So I think it's really important for the agents to talk if that's something that they both do.
0: Yeah, it, it is. And it's just, I I really, it's funny, we, buyers agents, you know, are, are, are stressed because they're trying to rise to the top of the pile of offers. List agents are stressed because they're dealing with yeah. all of the communication. Yes. And there isn't a centralized sort of way of distributing offers and and I was saying that earlier like somebody really should should uh should create some sort of system that we all agree to use and then yeah. you know maybe streamline it just a bit and I'm sure that will likely never happen but <laughs> but th- this idea of understanding the other person's pain I think is really important because you know, uh, and Brittany's sort of said it without saying it is, is reaching out and saying, Hey, I'm not just going to throw some offer that, you know, cause I know you're getting a lot of just offers thrown at you. Yeah. And, you know, I want to, I want to get a little bit more specific about, about what you need to make this close. Um, I would also like to hear you know, what What trends have you seen? Because you work in the city and the suburbs. And I know that we, yeah. we have listeners from all over the country and rural and urban areas, of course. Just out of, just generally speaking, are you seeing a migration? And I know during COVID we, we saw here in Chicago uh, a bit of a migration from, from the city out to the suburbs. Um, are, are you still seeing that the movement there or are we seeing a return to, to more urban environments or uh, or is it just too tough to tell because every because inventory is so low right now?
1: you know I, we are seeing a return and it's interesting but the city is in my opinion um behaving different than the suburbs so the rental market in the city is insanity i will say really yeah. on part of what we're seeing in um terms of the suburbs with buyers but um the, so the rental market's crazy pretty much everywhere um because i do believe that now that some offices are not maybe requiring people to be back five days a week but maybe it's two to three times a week so there's still now needs to be a present back um, and maybe people are also, I feel like switching jobs and finding jobs now that they got used to not being home and now they're relocating. So they're renting because they're not sure how long they're going to stay. But, um, with that said that I do see like a return back and I will think that I'm seeing that, um, high rises are having a slower return. I'm not necessarily seeing the market be crazy for them right now, as in opposed as I think West town, in my opinion is nuts <laughs> things are going uh, really quickly whereas you know i think you can get a bit of a deal in a high rise right now if that's something you wanted so like area's like the gold coast it's taking a little bit longer to recover i truly believe they will um because the location's phenomenal and you're right by the lake and you're in many cases walking distance to you know the loop to work um but you know it, it's taking a little bit of time so it's behaving a little different and in my opinion in uh the surrounding suburbs I feel like they're, they're all pretty much nuts right now, <laughs> unless somebody I think really missed the mark on pricing. Um, most of them are, you know, you're getting multiple offers in a, a very short amount of time. So it's, it's, it's interesting and, and many different price points. So I'm seeing it across the board, whereas, you know, I, it's almost if you're moving to the city, it might make sense to maybe buy something. You might have the ability to rent if you don't think you're going to stay or you might be switching a job in the future. So then at least because some of these rent amounts are... are are crazy. I, 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 In my mind, of course, I'm like, why pay that when you could just buy for less? But I get it, the uncertainty of not necessarily knowing you're going to stay and not wanting to lock yourself in just in case, I guess, the market changes, which, you know, there's a lot of people that feel like in might. Um, I don't think we're going to see some type of mad rush. Like, if there is some type of correction or or balancing um, that comes, but because comps are kind of where they're at and it's gonna take a little bit for that to, you know, fade down, I guess, but- Yeah, it,
0: it actually might make sense, although I'm sure very few people would ever do this, but right now, if if you're living in, in a place that's appreciated substantially, um, selling it and then renting for a few years until the market recorrects, um, is is not it's not a bad idea per se. Um, it, practical, uh, but practically, yeah. it's not a very easy thing to do yeah. either, especially yeah. when there's children and there's schools yeah. and there's you know uh, space and and it, it's not something that. But, but I as a marketer, um, I love the idea about bringing those. I love the, the, the concept of bringing that to your client, not because they're going to do it, but just because, just because it it makes you, I love people who bring ideas and this is kind of what we're talking about. You're talking about bringing creative ideas to, to the, to the offer table. Um, and and, you know, this, this can be the same thing. I think there's a huge opportunity right now for, uh, you know people to who who are listening who maybe aren't as busy um with with you know clients this is a great time to reach out to every single person you know who owns a home and say hey let me just out of curiosity i bet you're curious what your home's worth right now i'm gonna run a little quick comp for you and whether or not you're gonna move like of course that's up to you but i just want you to know because um, it's something that I think the vast majority of us outside of the industry never think about until we're ready to move. Then yeah. we go, I wonder what my home's worth. But we all sort of, it's kind of, it's like looking at your stock portfolio or, <laughs> your, or your, your securities portfolio. You're like, I yeah. don't exactly know what's going on, but I kind of like to see the bottom line. Am I up or am I down? And, and and you know, I'm. we're not financial advisors unless we are. And so, you know, we just get a little app that sort of tells us, but there really isn't an app like that for our home. I mean, Zillow's probably the clue thing to it, but we know that this estimate, you know, may or yeah. may not be accurate. So this is, I think where realtors can really demonstrate value is, is they can, you know, if you're struggling and I, I'm sorry to get on a, a bit of a soapbox, but I'm just curious to get your thoughts about if you, if today, if you didn't have any clients, let's say you were yeah. just everything one, you know, you, you were starting fresh, what would you do to, to generate business? I'm just curious.
1: Definitely. Well, I think of course, your sphere of influence, um, it becomes neglected over time. Or sometimes people just, they assume that this person knows me, they like me, why wouldn't they think of me or ask me or use right. me? But people forget.
0: or Famous and, last words.
1: Yeah. Or people also think that, okay, maybe you are too busy or maybe You're not doing an, I don't know. So you definitely have to be vocal. And I think more often than not ask for the business, but I think you're right. If, how about hypothetically, let's say this is what I'm showing it's worth. What if we can get a little bit more, would you sell then? And some people, you know, do have secondary homes, or they do want to maybe travel, you know, I do know of some of my friends that are currently staying in, you know, they have the flexibility with their jobs. So they're just staying in Airbnbs in different parts of the country right now, because they can. So you know, maybe you do have that flexibility. And you know, hey, if you're you don't have to worry about it, you can get this much more, you know, money in your pocket, would you? And I think a lot of people would actually say yes. <laughs> now, I mean, you know,
0: it's, yes. sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just thinking. I was um, chatting with uh, with a friend of mine. I'll, I'll keep keep her name anonymous, but she's a realtor, very successful here in Chicago. And she was saying, she goes, you know, I was just thinking about what's my number. And I said, well, what do you what do you mean? What's your number? And she goes, what's my number that if somebody offered me. Uh, in you know, I she was not looking to sell her home. Yeah, she lives in the North shore. and she said, "Um, would it be five hundred thousand above asking? Would it be a million? Would it be whatever the number is? Yeah. Would it be fifty thousand above above what I think it's worth? Whatever that number is, that is kind of a fun exercise to do because, um, it, you know, like I, I had never thought of that. um and i I just bought a place a, a year ago and, I've never, I don't know what my number is, but that is kind of a fun exercise that you can do with people and say, just out of curiosity, if you were given a number, would that encourage you to maybe move, maybe rent, maybe buy another place, maybe move to another part of the country? Um, So I I imagine you'd be doing things like that as well.
1: Yeah. And I also think, you know, just having those conversations almost maybe for fun, but you know, if you have enough of them, you're probably going to have a few that are serious. And now you're talking real numbers and what their plan is. And now all of a sudden you're busy. Yeah. And you're, you're, you know, so I think you have to create opportunity for yourself, but I think don't neglect your spirit, your sphere of influence because, um, you know, people aren't thinking about this all day long. They don't, you know, what you're doing. So unless you're telling them, they forget until all of a sudden they have the need. So you have to create, what do you, what do,
0: you do to stay in touch? Cause you talked about that sphere, sphere of influence uh, is easy to neglect because you're caught up in the day-to-day things are flying at you yeah. and sphere of influence, you know, what we'll talk about people. These are not current clients. These are just people that are close to you that hopefully would think to use you, but we want to remind them over time uh consistently over time that, that, Oh, by the way, when you're ready, I'm here. Um, what, um, what are you doing to stay in touch with those people or what advice do you have?
1: Definitely. So I will say, you know, first of all, what I think most people have and can be an easy way to start is, you know, social media, you know, you're probably friends with most of the people who are in your sphere of influence, if not everybody, um, especially maybe even some people who are past clients or people who have referred you. So I think letting people know what you're doing, you know, I think, and I'm trying to be better at this, but, you know, creating video, you know, everybody says it works. So, you know, sometimes I think you've got to step out of your comfort zone and just do it. But also aside from that, I also do, um, pop buys um, I actually don't always go there but there's ways you know to do things that I mail things and just say hey you know, Here's like a some type of gift, or it doesn't always have to be, or you know, a handwritten note or something, just to say, Hey, and a Starbucks card. It's easy enough, and you know, kind of gets people thinking about you again, um, without being and, too, and like, oh, and hey, a, a couple
0: me. other things too. <laughs> uh, I, I want to talk about that because you, you're really these are these are very um, this is like straight out of the Brian Buffini playbook, which yeah. is um, Popeyes, handwritten notes, items of value. Um, yeah. what, 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 we're talking about really is, uh, is earning someone's business. And I don't mean you have to buy someone's business by, you know, giving them extravagant gifts. Of course, uh, you, you do not have to do that, but you do have to earn someone's business and especially yeah. people in your sphere. We think, well, those are people that know, like, and, 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 trust me already. Yes. And you still need to earn their business, which means yeah. they already, they already love you and you have to remind them who you are and what you do and yeah. then because people are people and we have a million things going on in our lives and we I always say the best assumption you can ever make is that everybody you know forgets that you're a realtor yes. just assume it. yeah <laughs> yeah and and so and and so it's like okay well that's kind of a bummer that no one's going to remember <laughs> what I do for a living well okay but you know what that that that's a pretty easy solution right i mean coca cola certainly yeah. operates out of that same mentality of we better promote ourselves a lot or and and you don't have to be um the realtor that has the billboard on on the side of the highway if that's not your personality you don't have to have the bench back ads uh or or be in the yeah. um you know the grocery store uh shopping cart you know uh thing yeah. but but you could just pick up the phone and contact, or, or text, or yeah. or send items of value. So, absolutely, I'm curious. What I'm curious. How do you? What advice do you have after a sale? So, this is a thing that I think realtors often really miss. Um, you know, they, they, their their previous clients just get completely lost. Totally. And so w- what what are you doing after the sale? you know, uh, years down the road. So knowing that these people, they just, I just bought them their, their forever home yeah. or, or, or rather we just bought, they just bought their forever home. They moved in. They're not going anywhere for the next 20 years, <laughs> but, I want to, I still want to stay in touch. What are you doing to, uh, to make sure that they don't forget about you for referrals or whatever?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I will say what I always do is I do do like a, a Christmas or like holiday gift to pretty much everybody. Um, everybody who buys with me gets like a, a customized ornament. Um, and it's not as like Christmas either. I know some people say, Oh, I might I put up on my shelf. I love that. I mean, it just, and again, it, I feel like you don't have to spend money, but I do, this is, I, I like to, um, and then also for the, my, my repeat people, I always do, or not my repeat people, um, people outside of my first time buyers that year or who bought something that year. Um, I always kind of have like a theme that I do. And, um, like this past year I did like, um, customized mugs, but then I got like, um, hot cocoa bombs and like, uh, gourmet popcorn and, um, a customized box and i i really take my time with christmas cards and i write a personal message in every single one every single one it's just not sign my name because i think that's important because that's so easy to do and i can't tell you how many people respond back to me how thoughtful that was thank you for reaching out or and you know you're always at the forefront if we ever know somebody who's going to buy or sell we'll think of you and that's just one of the things i do that year or you know at the end of the year but um i definitely think even if you just Send a Christmas card with um, a nice message. It also goes a long way. Um, I also do, you know, Starbucks gift cards too, to, you know, depending on who everybody is and where they're at. Sometimes it doesn't always make sense to do um, the box. And sometimes I save that for more of my, um, I guess they say you're you're a sphere um, because they do do Brian Buffini. So I I need to separate it, but um, but I, I, I like to hit everybody because sometimes I don't always like categorizing my sphere because sometimes just because you don't know somebody's your A-sphere yet, and you don't want to lose anybody out. And something I also do, and I've started doing more and more lately, is I do send out a newsletter. And I know not everybody likes it, and it's kind of, you know, sometimes just junk in your inbox. So I really try to uh, really personalize it, write something personal about what's going on, um, kind of curate it a little bit. I always try to have um, kind of a, a subject line that will stand out. I use an emoji. That's just who I am. So, you know, I, I definitely try not to make it like a uh, March newsletter because I get a lot of those myself and I don't care. And it's just, you know, I know a lot of brokerages too have really kind of just like boilerplate stuff where it's like everybody can send out the same thing if they wanted. I always try to change it. So and and I will say that I've done that first this year. I've actually gotten a handful of business from it who people said from the newsletter. Um, I got two listings and one buyer, um, from my, from actually, um, my February and March newsletter.
0: And, and what, what type of content you were mentioning, you weren't using the boilerplate, uh, content, are you doing, what type of content? Well, I are use you-
1: some of it because sometimes yeah. it's great, but stuff that I think is kind of like a filler or kind of cheesy, I take out, but you know, I, I look at what's going on right now. So people want to know, okay, um, spring's coming. How can you make your and and I don't, I don't know if I did do this or I'm planning on doing this, but for instance, um, how some quick, easy, inexpensive things to, you know, um, to create curb appeal now that we're yeah. heading into the warmer months or, you know, things going on in the neighborhood that, um, are more specific to, you know, the time. Um, I also just try to write a message of just my, you know, general thoughts on what's going on. And I begin it with that. And sometimes I include just more pictures of that are personal, you know, I I'm really just trying to make it maybe my personal newsletter. Not so much. This is uh, my real estate newsletter because uh, I think it has holds more value. To people and they'll
0: read it i think you're right I, I wrote an article once called nobody wants to read your newsletter um for, <laughs> for a magazine because um, nobody wants to read uh, a a newsletter that isn't personalized that doesn't have content that is of interest to that person that's yes. being sent to and realtors oftentimes i mean look we're busy you know realtors are yeah. busy they don't have time to to write uh, but but you have that background you have that broadcast journalism background you're a creative person so that fits neatly into your, um, into your skill set, And so you get to sort of be creative in that sense and say, yes. Oh, by the way, maybe it's like, it's national women's history month. And here's some cool things to know about that. And maybe it's even outside of, of the world of, of real estate, but it's important to you. And, 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 you know, yeah. you can express yourself that way or Hey, as, as the you know, as as the as spring is is rearing its head, now we can start talking about you know things like front doors. Front doors are yeah. becoming important and things like that. Definitely. And so you could you can bring that into real estate, and I think that newsletters. It's such a great opportunity that I think realtors miss oftentimes, which is I'm just going to pay a service to send out this newsletter, yeah. and and that's fine. And honestly. Yeah it's fine. And and no one's going to read it, but that's okay yeah. because at least they'll see your name and that's yeah. sort of level 1. Level 1 is just I'm going to yeah. push something out there. Exactly. My name's at the bottom, nobody cares. But it's but it's better than nothing. Level 2 is I'm going to put some actual content in here that I think is cool. And And if I think it's cool, odds are my clients will be connect with it as well, because like like attracts like, you know, mostly. Um, So I think, and social media is the same way. I think we can get really, You can be creative and fun and um, passionate without being salesy. And and I think the best realtors are. I, I think uh, the best, the best realtors that I've ever met are the least salesy people. Yeah. They're just extremely competent and they're passionate and they're like, well, here's what I do. Here's how it works. And they talk about it. And, um, I think that's, that's, you know, we, we, are sort of really fortunate that we have the ability to find yourself, uh, and the technology exists to express yourself in a way yes. that 15 years ago, um, You know, didn't really didn't really exist. And so now there's so many different ways where we can say, This is who I am and this is what I'm into. Um, and I think people connect with that.
1: Exactly. And you just have to actually like do it. I find myself sometimes getting in my head. And I sometimes bring it back to even when I was in college, I was in um I was on Miami television news, MTM. Uh, and I remember sometimes when we were getting ready for camera and they were like trying to test your microphone and they're like, say something, say something. I always remember thinking like well, what should i say in my head but i'm like i'm supposed to be like an anchor they don't want to they don't know i have to know so sometimes it's just just say it say something say anything that's what they're looking for and definitely uh to your point to connect because again what differentiates realtors from each other is your unique personality how you what your thoughts are your opinions I'm sure we collectively share a lot of the same thoughts and opinions, especially with this market, but your style, your attitude, your enthusiasm, you know, uh, I find myself able to adapt to different personality types. Maybe not everybody is. So sometimes I I can be more buttoned up or sometimes I will be a little more loose and, you know, either with my clothing or, you know, just the discussions we have, you know, maybe it's about life instead of just real estate and other people just want to stick to real estate, which is totally fine too. But I always find you know when i start thinking about it too much just do it because at the end of the day nobody's thinking about it that much where they're going to critique you to think that i think like you're awful i would never use you i think at the oh and i find this when i see other people doing it wow they, they put themselves out there that was cool that was unique i wish i could do that more and then i think well why can't i all i have to do is do it so i think a lot of realtors just need to do it get out of your head. It's not that deep. It's not that serious. And that, you know, you're just wanting to people to kind of know who you are. And that's where you build the trust. You can build rapport and the credibility so they can use you and everything else, like you said, can be learned, but to adapt your personality, to connect with people and to know that, okay, I'm going to enjoy talking to this person on the phone for the next few months or whatnot. You got to show them who you are.
0: Yeah, my final question is: Imagine you could. Go, I've never done this before, and I, I just think it would be interesting. Um, maybe we'll make it a recurring feature on the show. <laughs> if, if, if this, no pressure to make this go well. Okay, uh, but, but no. I, but I'm genuinely curious if 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 the if you uh, now you've been doing this twelve years. So if you could go back to your rookie self and give your rookie self some advice. Um, What would you tell your first year realtor self that of what you know now that she didn't know back then?
1: Hmm, That that, that is a great question. And what I think I would say is for one, um, you know, I always kind of felt in a way I connected better with strangers. I don't know if I felt like, intimidated from other people or my sphere, or just a little bit that at the beginning, I didn't know as much, obviously. So I didn't feel as confident. And until I felt confident, I didn't want to feel, I guess, embarrassed or something to people I already know. I'm going to pause
0: you for a second. This is a very, very common thing. So people get into real estate and, you know, we, we, we read books and, and we go to trainings and it's like, put your sphere of influence together. Yeah. And, and 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 that's a great thing and you should do yeah. that. And I'm, I'm in no way telling people what they should or shouldn't do. I'm just explaining that it is a very common uh, occurrence where somebody goes, I don't really wanna deal with my <laughs> friends right away because yeah. I'm afraid I'm gonna screw things up, but I'm not that, I don't really know that much. And I feel like maybe I'm not gonna do a good job. Um, this sort of imposter effect. It's not even yeah. an imposter effect. It's just, I just don't feel competent and yeah. I don't wanna be yeah. my best friend. And what if I screw something up? Um, So, so this is really, really important. Um, So go ahead. I'm sorry. I just wanted to to, to pause because this is, this is a big thing.
1: Totally. But I think I would definitely go back and put myself out there to the people who know, love and care about me way more. So, I mean, it was great that I was able to connect with, I feel like so many people who didn't know me and really build my business um, to where it is. But I also, if I put as much effort into that, to the people who you know, I already know my sphere of influence, I maybe would have had, it would have been a little bit easier. I don't know that it would ever be easy, but maybe it would have been a little bit easier Um, because I did was kind of, you know, they always say, don't be a secret agent. Uh, And I kind of was because I was, I, I did feel this little, tinge of embarrassment. Because yeah. what if they ask me this, and I don't know, and, you know, almost to uh, strangers, it's like, they don't know that I don't know. So I felt more confident to tell them, whereas, you know, my friends and family knew I was just really starting to get into real estate. So there there was probably things that I didn't know. And I still don't know things. And I'm still learning. But I think that now I, I would realize that, you know, you, you need people that who know you to, to help you people generally do you just got to ask and I didn't really want to ask and I would definitely go back and I would ask. And I would let people know, and I would have more of those real and genuine conversations with them. Like, Hey, I know that I'm new and maybe you have some questions about that, but I I also have, you know, family, um, who's in this, who've been in a long time in the support of a brokerage. So I can find out the answer, but would you give me a shot? Do do you know
0: that, that what you just said is uh, I, I personally, I love, I love this honesty and vulnerability. Um, and and again, I know we're kind of going back in time yeah. but but the the willingness to be vulnerable is yeah. an exceedingly attractive quality that uh, and and I and I think uh it's because vulnerability is so scary I yeah. think that it is it is so difficult for us to say here's here's something that that I feel very um exposed and I yes. feel like i'm I'm letting you down but, uh, but I do have a solution. So hey, I'm yeah. new. I just got my license and or, or or I'm, you know, in the first few years of my business, um, there's going to be questions I am sure that you will ask me that I won't immediately have the answer for. But what I will promise you, Mr. or Mrs. So and so, is yeah. that I will get the answer for you and I will come back to you with the answer within, you know, a day or so or whatever. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and 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 I and you know, the funny thing about working with with friends and, in, in, in your sphere is those are the people, I mean, just sort of practically, those are the people that are going to forgive you the most anyway. So yes. even if you do screw up, they're they're most likely. But I think having that sort of vulnerable convers- like like you said, give me a, I would love the opportunity to earn your business and I yeah. get it. I'm not 20 years in the business, but maybe that's a benefit in a way because I will work maybe harder than somebody who's yeah. so busy um totally but and i, I have I, the
1: time to give you that specialized yeah. individual attention and right. i want this and i want to prove myself so allow me whereas somebody who's maybe been in the business a longer time and or maybe has more clients they just can't do that so sometimes yeah. you you might actually have a way better experience anyways but yeah vulnerability is hard and it's um It's taking. It's still hard. I'm still trying to put myself out there. Of course,
0: of course, it is. It's it's hard because people can hurt you with it. Yeah. Um. I mean, people can reject vulnerability. They they can they can they can damage you with it. But what most people end up doing with vulnerability is that it it actually vulnerability leads to intimacy. And intimacy is what. Uh, what we're sort of bred for, as uh, you know, uh, as as a as a species, um, this idea of of we're intimate people, and so this idea that we want to be with people who we trust, we know, we like, yeah. and the the surest way to do that is to to open up with with, of course, uh, appropriate boundaries, obviously, yeah. <laughs> um, making sure that that you know you do have personal and professional boundary set, but, but being able to say, here's what I know, and here's what I don't know. And here's what I'm going to do about what I don't know. Yeah, And, and I think most people go, okay, I, I, that makes sense to me. Um, you know, we don't expect perfection, out of anyone other than ourselves yeah. mostly. Um we don't expect our friends to be perfect and our our clients don't expect us but they do expect us to work hard for them. Yeah. And um and 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 you know that's 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 all I think that is really required. Um or or that's the most important thing that's required. So I, this is, this has been such a fun conversation. I'm, I'm really grateful um, to Brittany for, for going, going a little deeper than (laughs) than sometimes we do on, on, on our show here, but I think it's important because what we're dealing with throughout, whether it's, you know, you're buying a toaster or a million dollar home, we're talking about, you know, uh, People making buying decisions that are, and, and of course, in the case of, of, of a primary residence, this is a very emotional decision. It is. Um, it's one of the largest, maybe the largest financial decision at that time that person might be making. It's, what is it? Is it buying buying a home? A, kids in school or college yeah. and then retirement those are kind of the big the big ones. Um, and so this is something that that if you can hone your skills and and be willing to um, connect with your, your 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 clients at a, at a, at a, at a deeper level, You're going to, you're going to really have some raving fans. Um, And I think also, you know, the, the the being very disciplined uh, as Brittany mentioned about always consistently not neglecting the people in your life, because again, it's a relationship. And if you don't just like anything if you neglect anything <laughs> in your life it's going to suffer um it, it's just going to suffer so um you are obviously doing an amazing job um i Thank i'm you. very excited to continue to watch your uh, your progression as you continue to, to do more and more um but if there's anyone out there who is either interested in buying, selling, renting, whether it's residential, I know you also do commercial, um, you know, whether it's the the city or the suburbs and there's looking to work with a top realtor, um, what's the best way someone should reach out to you?
1: Absolutely, well, they can definitely call me. My cell phone is usually, I I am a person who answers her phone and I always get back to people. So my cell phone number is 630-936-2930 or you can reach me on social media, Like you said, my, um, my handle is on Instagram at realtor.brittany with a -A (laughs) T-T-A-N-Y or Facebook. And I'm under Brittany Cumming Simon. That was my maiden name or email me Brittany.Simon at compass.com. But I I, I always answer my phone. So if I I don't get back to uh, the second you call or text, it will be same day for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And definitely uh, check out Brittany's website. She has a really cool logo. I'm a big fan of of the Brittany Simon logo. So Um, visit her on her website, which is BrittanySimongroup.com. Again, Brittany is B-R-I-2-T's a-N-Y, Simon Group dot simongroup.com and then dot realtor um and i'm sorry realtor. <laughs> on instagram we will have links to those in the show notes so you don't have to type that in we'll have direct links Brittany thank you so much for being on oh our goodness. show we really really appreciate your time this was a lot of fun for us um and maybe you and i one day will go back to uh to our our alma mater yeah um, and um and visit <laughs> Because Brittany and I were saying she has not been back since college. I don't know if we said that on the show or off off air, but I've only been back once, so um, we're probably both due for a visit. we due for uh, sure at some point. And I and I and I do want to find out where you worked as a server in college because I'm curious if I frequented one of those establishments. Yes. Not it, it wasn't when you were there, of course, but uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, on behalf of Brittany and myself, we want to thank our audience for continuing to listen and support our show. Please tell a friend. Think of one other realtor that really needs to hear what Brittany talked about today, specifically around how to get offers noticed, some good marketing uh, ideas as well, um, and just you know, constant communication with uh, with with your clients. And send them a link to our our website. Our website is keepingitrealpod.com. And every episode we've ever done can be streamed right there or just have them pull up a podcast app search for keeping it real and hit that subscribe button. And on behalf of Brittany and myself, we thank our audience. And on behalf of our audience, we thank Brittany for her time today. Um, We will see everybody on the next episode. And uh, thanks, Brittany. It was a real pleasure.
1: Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for having me.
0: (laughs) Thank you. We'll see everyone next time.